Hello, everybody. It is great to be here one more time today. And my name is Gary Fowler, and I am the CEO, President, and Founder of GSD Get You Done Venture Studios, a premier AI and quantum venture studio located in Silicon Valley. I'm a 17-time serial entrepreneur with a number of startups under my belt, um, including a NASDAQ IPO. So with that, I'd like to bring my incredible guest, Benny Rubenstein. Benny has uh, got a, a diverse background, everything from working at uh, Club Med to being an investor and an entrepreneur. He's an accomplished hands-on intrapreneur and entrepreneur with methodical problem-solving skills, strategy consulting, and corporate venture capital experience. He's worked with companies like Microsoft, uh, Global Sales. He's worked with companies like uh, IBM. He's a citizen of the uh, EU, Brazil, the U.S. He's fluent in English, Hebrew, Spanish, Portuguese. I mean, he knows everything. So with that, I'd like to bring Benny on board. Hi, Benny. How are you doing today? Hi, Gary. You're so kind and funny. He knows everything. was uh, was a bit of an exaggeration, but thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's you're the only person I know of as I've ever seen 11-page uh CV off of uh, LinkedIn. I've never seen anything like that. So I got a question for you. So you you went to Tel Aviv University, uh, and you got your master's in business, right? International marketing. Then you want your PhD candidate uh, today, right? And uh, right. University of Aviero, is that what it is? Aviero. Yeah. And then. Why in the world did you go to Wharton to get another MBA? Were you just like wanted to have a double double or what? <laughs> yeah, it was actually a double degree. I actually uh, applied to uh, to Wharton. Uh, I had a long standing dream since I was 16 to eventually be here in Israel and I didn't know exactly how. So I applied to Wharton and one of the many reasons why I went to Wharton was they had a partnership with Tel Aviv University, the Recognati Business School. So basically it was kind of a dual degree. I, I uh, focused on a six a semester uh, working with actual entrepreneurs here uh, at Tel Aviv University on a specific consulting project and that qualified for the uh, for the dual uh, major. And so, but were you living in uh, Philadelphia or were you living in Israel? No, uh, interesting, uh, but long story short, I was living in Philadelphia. Uh, one of the highlights of this program was actually to come to Israel for the project. Right. Um, it wasn't COVID, but there was some other reason I can't remember, something around security that happened on that time. So we were not allowed to fly in, although I was willing to sign any waivers and, and do it at my own risk. Uh, but yeah, no, eventually they, what happened was the, the Israelis actually had to come to Philadelphia. We ended up doing the project there. Wow, that's interesting. And did you like, now, did you ever go to Pat's Steaks? <laughs> Man, they got the best steaks, the best steak sandwiches. <laughs> On the planet Earth, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like it. And and uh, so, what you know, when you went to work, what was one of the things that? What was the takeaway of Wharton? What was the most important thing that you you received from Wharton? Was it the education? Were the contacts? What was the most important thing? You know, I love that question. I, I just uh, a few minutes ago signed up to interview uh, uh, someone here in Israel who is applying for an undergrad at Wharton. I, I think to be very candid, I mean, obviously they quality of the studies is terrific. And people like Jeremy Siegel and some amazing people teaching the Adam Grant and so on. Um, so yeah, the classes are amazing, but I, you know, I've just had my 20, um, 20 year reunion. Uh, and uh, what really brings me uh, 
to this date to be connected with water and just the people um you know that, that they were all smart i knew that i didn't know they were so much smarter than i am so it felt good to raise the bar a little bit and aspire to to always get better uh but but the kindness the connectedness i mean we are until now actually we sort of watched we are 700 people all over the world and we sort of watched the world cup together on our whatsapp group and cheering and it was like really a, a very unique experience after 20 years wow that's amazing and um so you did that why are you getting your doctorate what what made you decide to do that like <laughs> the did you one day you wake up and say, well, I didn't do enough. I have two MBAs. I want to do something else. <laughs> sort of. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you're, you asked such a, such a brilliant question in, in a, in a funny way. Um, it's a, it's a very deep question. I, I uh, sort of always wanted to have a PhD. I, I can't explain you very logically why that's important. Uh, many people say, well, why do you need it? Um, I just feel like, uh, you know, it's part of my DNA and, and my education and also part of being here in Israel. It's I've, I've been uh, surrounded by people who value a lot your your education. Your, of course, you can learn in many different ways. You don't need a PhD for many things. As a matter of fact, many people don't even need a college degree for many things. But I, I do appreciate the value you get from education, not just the subject matter expertise, but also the methodology, the rigor. I think I, 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 I can use a little bit more of the rigor and discipline in terms of how to do research, although I don't plan to be an academic. I don't know what will happen. Um, so also the other thing is, as you notice, I have a very global uh, uh, career and uh, you know one of the reasons I, I I like the idea of doing that in Portugal. It's obviously it's part of the European Union. Um, you know I've already got most of my education in the U.S. and in Latin America, uh, been here in Israel. Uh, but I think uh, you know there's something about being able to uh, interact with the rest of the European Union, and they have also partnership with University in Munich. I think it's it makes it very interesting. Now, why do you have so many citizenships? <laughs> I don't like this. Well, you got, think, you got European Union, Brazil. What else? Are you Israeli too? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, um, well, I was born in Brazil, so that was my uh, my default, uh, you know, identity and nationality. Uh, my my grandparents are all immigrants from Europe, um, so you know, to be honest, I uh, the reason why I got an European passport was. Um, I realized my, my niece is now at Wharton and, and she uh, wanted to do an internship in, in, in Italy. Uh, she, and she, you know, went through my grandmother who was from Lithuania and, and got a passport and that helped her a lot. So to be honest, I thought most about my kids. I don't know what the world will look like in, in my kid who'll be uh, in college only in, in about 10 years, I think. So um, I don't know what will happen in the world. And I think having options yeah, is a hard, good hard thing. to say, Benny, at this point, it's unpredictable, isn't it? Yeah, I think life's always been unpredictable, but I think the past few years, we the, the few people who didn't realize that probably started to realize that now. Yeah, no, I, I agree. There's a lot of uh, dynamic shifts taking place, that's for sure. So, okay, so you do that. Now, why did you go to Club Med? <laughs> well, you, I will hire you to be an interviewer. You, you asked a great question. You know, many people never would notice that it's buried there in my, uh, you know, the bottom of my, it's not in my CV, but it's on my LinkedIn, as you pointed out. I don't delete things from LinkedIn. It's almost like uh, I don't need to write a biography. I think it's going to eventually be my LinkedIn when I die. But um, yeah, um, interestingly, uh, I'll give you the real answer, although we are live and I don't know how many people are watching this. But, uh, you know, I had a very, uh, in a, I'd say it kind of in a joke, but it's actually a quite serious thing. I, I I was more of an introvert most of my life. You know, I, I was reading 
since I was a teenager, the biographies of people like Bill Gates and Stephen Hawking and all these great scientists and Albert Einstein. And of course, I never met them. I mean, I met Bill Gates, but not the other ones. And, and, and you know, they're all introverts and people kind of make fun maybe of their being nerds or this or that. And uh, I was very, very, uh, I'm still an introvert, but I was very shy, very, uh, uh, I want to say antisocial, but I, you know, I was studying in my room and doing my own thing, programming all night on the computer. And um, Clubman was kind of the first way I had to kind of open up to the world. And, and I went for three months and my job was basically to, you know, teach kids to play tennis and, and do windsurfing and do water ski things that I actually never learned myself. I had to learn so I could teach it. And I, I had to learn flamenco dancing to actually yeah, perform on exactly. stage. Say, <laughs> stuff. So, Hands up. <laughs> You were doing that. I know it now. Yeah, yeah. So you had fun doing that. So, but you can't be introverted to do that. That had to bring you out of your shell. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was, I was, I think, uh, you know, I, I started my, you know, unlike here in Israel where people spend so much time on the Mediterranean and they go to college at the age that I was already a, a, an engineer, I, I started everything too early. I skipped one, one year in, in school. And so I, I took my exam to get to college when I was 16. Um, and I was an engineer when I was 21. Um, you know, um, I I had probably one girlfriend uh, during uh, my last few years of college. Uh, you know, and and um, again going to to Club Med just uh, yeah, opened up. Um, girlfriend, probably. Huh? <laughs> probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I won't show you my uh, my album with the pictures from Club Med. I don't know, maybe two or three. I don't know. You know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so well, you did yeah. that. You you went worked for IBM. How was it after doing you know that, you know doing the, the Club Med and uh, the strategic planner for the executive education for IBM? But well, how did it you know how was IBM at that time? How did it feel? Yeah, it, you know it almost feels like uh, we've met thirty years ago because you ask those questions. It's almost like you know the stories, although we, we certainly don't. But. Uh, first of all, I almost did not go to IBM just because I was having too much fun at Clubman. I literally called my parents and asked them, do you mind, uh, you know, this is before we had cell phones. So I asked my mom, could you actually call IBM and say, I'm supposed to finish my internship here at Clubman at 28th of February to start March 1st at IBM, but I just don't feel like it. I'm just going to stay here. And my parents obviously said, just, just get down here. And I said, no, I want, and we had a discussion, so I actually went. But but long story short, I, I had a <laughs> that's a real story. But um, I had a dream, you know. I, I I don't know why, to be honest. I don't really remember because I was so into computers, and we gotta realize, you no, know, this is the, the in, I went to a technical high school, actually an Israeli technical high school in Brazil called Ort, uh, since I was sixteen years old. And you know, at that time in the late eighties, beginning of nineties, IBM was considered a pretty cool place to to be. You know, I, I knew a lot of uh, executives there uh, were you know somehow. Uh, uh, People who my parents would know, or something like that, and um, for me at that time it sounded like a like a good uh, place to to be, and it was. Um, I uh, I have to say, you know, it's kind of funny looking backwards. Uh, um, we had a very strict like dressing code, you know. Even though we were in Rio and it was about I don't know ninety degrees Fahrenheit or like forty something Celsius in the summer, we had to wear a blue suit with a red tie and a white shirt. And even oh, if you're an intern, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we had a dress code. The blue or uh, sometimes black um, or gray um, suit 
and it was pretty. And then they would have the monogram sleeves and the monograms, the whole nine yards, right? And a Mount Blanc yeah. pen in the pocket. Yeah, but again, you got to realize I was at IBM Brazil, so I was at the corporate headquarters in Brazil. Uh, but, um, you know, I was dotted line to somebody in Armonk. And, uh, you know, for a 19-year-old kid wearing a suit, hanging around all these top executives and talking to people in Armonk, at that time, it sounded like I was at, I don't know, at, in Mars with Elon Musk. I mean, it was really like uh, an interesting thing to do at that age with no work experience. That's great. And so, and but you kept going down through. You worked at Amdocs. How was that? It was it was uh, was my first real Israeli experience to be honest. I was I was um, um, again I'm revealing my age I guess, but I, I applied. You know, there was an ad on on the newspaper. It wasn't even on the internet. And uh, although it was a Brazilian newspaper, it was on a Sunday uh, uh, ad section. It was in English, which was very odd for a Brazilian newspaper. And there was this ad that uh, honestly resembled like some sort of Mossad-like ad because there was no name of company. There was like absolutely no. Way to contact them was just some sort of like ad. <laughs> yeah, it was sort of like, hey, you want to have a career in high tech? <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know a lot of languages. We want you. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. I you showed like up in this room. Like excitement, come to us. <laughs> You, you are look. You, you are you are you are spot on. It was something that was catchy. I, I had no idea what it was, but it was catchy. It had a disclaimer. You know, you might be called to go abroad for a certain time, unknown, very soon, something like that. And I was like, sure, I'm single. I have no 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 strong attachments to where I am right now. And so basically, I show up in this uh, meeting room in a rented uh, office in in the center of Rio. I'm talking to these guys. The only thing I noticed they have a heavy Middle Eastern accent. Now I I couldn't tell if they were Israelis. They're from Afghanistan, or I, I had no idea where they're from. Uh, they wouldn't want to say anything. Right. I didn't have a business card. Huh? <laughs> you weren't going on any private plane for the medical, right? <laughs> At this point in time, I was sort of like, you know, as long as I'm not kidnapped, it's, it's all good. So I, I was in this room, this person, and he, he seemed like a nice guy, but I had no idea who he was. And he was a senior executive at Amdox, an Israeli guy. And he, he didn't interrogate me, but he asked me a lot of questions and uh eventually again i'll go back to the sounds like we're in a different center but i got a, fa a, a, a an offer letter on a fax machine it was my dad my dad's a physician so he used a fax machine for some stuff and it was like a little bit uh, hard to read i didn't know exactly what the salary was i was trying to decipher the number but it said you know it sounds good and um and then basically i got a, a an envelope with a, to, a ticket uh, to go to israel and it was like in 48 hours it's not like That's i had a lot of money <laughs> No, <laughs> there was there was no money. There was a, there was there was just a ticket. It was the odd part of it? It was also a round trip ticket, although it said that there was just a date to to board. There was no date to come back. So I didn't know it was going for like two weeks, two days, two years, two months. I had no idea. Um, and you know, yeah, actually, to be honest, I, I didn't know if it was genuine. If it was being hijacked for some weird operation. So I. I called my my father's cousin, who is uh, now retired here in Israel. He was an executive here in Israel, and I called him and I says, "Is this a genuine offer? Is this a real company?" And he's like, "You joking? Amdox is a public company. Everybody knows Amdox." I said, "I don't know Amdox. They're not in Latin America." And I was employee number seven to help them open the operations in Brazil. Wow, that's great! And so you did that for a while. You then uh, and you spent time with uh, Microsoft, right? So yeah. what was that like? How was it how was it over at Microsoft after being an Amdocs, being a club men? And how was it with uh, was it was it interesting? Was it like you didn't have to wear your suit and tie like at IBM, correct? Uh no, so so Microsoft was completely opposite. Well, 
I wouldn't compare that to Club Med, obviously, because Zillow was, uh, you know, just on, on on the on the ocean all day long. But but Microsoft in Seattle uh, when I joined in 2001. By the way, I I, I got a, a six offers when I left Wharton, and I took Microsoft's, which was the lowest base salary. And I told the recruiter, I'm not saying that in a demeaning way. I said I'll take it because in the long run, I think that's where I will learn the most. Um, and she was very hard to negotiate salaries. So I'll go anyways. And and I, I don't regret it at all. I think Microsoft was. I think it was somebody who wrote a book. I can't remember the exact title, but it says everything I learned uh, about business I learned at Microsoft. It was some corporate vice president who was there, um, and and it's true. I mean, the MBA was a great experience, but it's only two years, and and you know you're taking classes and so on. Uh, Microsoft was a great school for me. The, the interesting part was uh, when I arrived there. You know, you I was in the corporate headquarters in Seattle, and that's just the complete opposite of the corporate headquarters of IBM Brazil. Pretty much, you see people in flip flops. Um, you you could almost bring your teddy bear to work, and nobody would actually say anything. You know, people had like mattresses on the floor. They'd take naps. Mattresses. Uh, just lo- lots of weird things would happen, and I was kind of dressed like this. You know, kind of a more formal shirt. And why are you, why are you wearing this? It's very odd. <laughs> really? Wow. And so, how did you feel? Hmm? How did you feel? Um, actually, I was in heaven, to be honest. I, I again, you know, if you look back, my, 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 where I was coming from, you know, I was at work and I. Did I disappear? Oh. Yeah, Funny. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I just didn't see myself. Yeah, anymore. Please listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, so the thing with Microsoft was that, um, you know, there is a book about it actually that talks about it, and it's really it's very true once you experience it. I was there. Uh, my my original idea was I'm going to be here for three to five years maximum. I'm going to pay off my student loans and either move to Israel or go back to Rio. And uh, I ended up spending 13 years there, and I ended up uh, coming back for a second shift uh, after I resigned. Uh, how was it, that? It was a great did school. Like, did you like huh? the weather up there? How was the weather? Uh, terrible, terrible. I didn't like it at all. No, I, 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 I when you walk around, it's I don't know about you, Benny, but you know, when I would go up, when I'd be up there, um, I'll never forget. I'm walking around and it's like drizzling, and people thought it was like they should go outside. And I'm like, it's raining, and they're walking around <laughs> like it's sunny, you know what I mean? It was the weirdest thing. And it's like I went to Pike Market, I was walking mm-hmm. around there, and people like there was a little glimmer of sun, but it was still raining, and it was like. And it, it wasn't one day. It happened many days. <laughs> yeah, it, it is bizarre. I think that uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, you know, I grew up in, in Rio and I spent time in Miami and all those places, you know, have tropical storms and it rains like crazy. And in a way, it's kind of fun. And there's a flood, all this thing. And then it's over and, and you go to the beach again. And uh, Seattle, was, as you said, it's it's not even a storm. It's just this little drizzling and it's dark and it's tedious and and i i, I had a hard time to be honest um i i talked to some people and i i never had like problems with depression or anything like that but i started to have very low energy and i would try to work out and swim and do things that would keep my energy up but somebody told me i can see you're not from seattle you don't have a happy light and i said what is a happy light i said just go to costco and order a happy light it's something that you were just putting there to kind of stimulate your hormones or something. But it, yeah, yeah, yeah. in short, it was it was very challenging for me, which is one of the reasons why I didn't want to stay very long. But then I had the great benefit of, uh, again, being global. And, and whatever there was a project, um, my role was global. And whatever there was a need to help some subsidiary, some region, some something, I was the probably the number one product manager. I'll, I'll get on a plane and I'll go. <laughs> 
Where is it? I don't know. I'm going. Thailand, yeah, Vietnam, whatever. My baby did them off. <laughs> so, how, you know, so you, you know, going down to Accelera Partners, how was it going to Brazil? I mean, is it safe there? Was it, can you walk around Brazil? Is it like, because you hear a lot of stories about there's a lot of wild stuff going on. Is it true? Well, yes and no. I mean, uh, you know, as, as you know, Gary, uh, you know, it's there's something there's some truth to that. Uh, but that said, everything is relative, right? And and uh, um, I, you know, there's some way. I mean, I I was living in Rio, and um, I chose when I moved back to Brazil uh, not to drive, and uh, I would take the subway to work every day, and you know, as you would do in New York or any other London or whatever. Uh, it was perfectly fine. I mean, yeah, there, there, a bit of crime here and there, but you know, in, in general, my life was pretty easy. I would just go down five minutes, but walk, take the subway, get off, walk two blocks to my office. Um, I personally didn't experience any challenging things. That said, obviously, uh, I was not living in Geneva. I, I, you know, I know what to do and what not to do, and I wouldn't be. You wouldn't wear your Rolex around and being flashy. I wouldn't wear my Rolex. No, not even this one here. I would wear there. Um, I wouldn't walk around with my uh, my grandfather's uh, ring with a with a, some some value um, and uh, yeah no jewelry um, you know but still I go nowadays with my kids at night uh, to walk on the beach it's fine but again there are certain things that you know you shouldn't be doing and in certain areas you just take a Uber Black door to door you don't walk around some areas at night and you know just follow the rules and probably you'll be okay but yeah there are risks like everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And then, so what? What did you wake up one day and say, "You know what? I'm going back to Microsoft." What yeah. Well, so to be honest, although I absolutely loved Microsoft, I mean, there's a reason why I left. Obviously, after 13 years, I felt I was not learning at the same pace in my, you know, 12 years I was in my first three, four years. And uh, you know, certain things about corporate are really nice, and sometimes we miss after we leave corporate. So, but certain things. Uh, you get a bit tired of and and I when I left I I, I didn't realize that I was going to come back one day I had great moments great learnings some trophies and I said I think it's it's time to move on um, what made me go back to be honest were two, two things one um, I missed the global part right so I, I went to set up an operation in Brazil called Acelera Partners um, it was headquartered in Rio had operations in Sao Paulo we had partnerships in the Silicon Valley um, and uh, in fact, my original role before becoming a CEO was just to be doing the strategic uh, relationships. Um, we had relationships here in Israel, but um, you know, it's not the same feeling as working for a global company, right? So you are you're, you're very much tied to. Most people just prefer to speak Portuguese, and you know, there's this there's, there's a bit of we're actually a Brazilian company that operates in other places versus we are global, and um, that's one of the things I really missed. Uh, the second thing is, is just uh, not so much related to to Microsoft. I mean, they offered me a great position, which is pretty much aligned to what I like because it was kind of a startup group within Microsoft. It's called Digital Transformation. Back in 2016, nobody at Microsoft knew what Digital Transformation was. Uh, Satya Nadella wrote a very nice book called Hit Refresh, which I read. And um, But basically, they called me and said, look, you got to make it real. we got to take this pretty PowerPoints into reality. How do we sell digital transformation? We, we don't really know what that means. Um, and uh, it was very exciting. It was a huge challenge. I mean, I had, a, I, I was told when I told, it's a very risky job. It's a very complex. There's a lot of ambiguity. You can have a lot of challenges. I said, well, I'm excited about that part. So it felt a bit entrepreneur. 
Um, also, uh, there was a, another interesting thing, as I mentioned, which is it was my first role that was done global, but it was regional. So Middle East and Africa would give me the chance to spend time in Israel, which was a personal interest, but also to go to the UAE before Abraham Accords, because I had other passports, another reason for having them. Um, I couldn't go there as an Israeli at the time. Um, and also to, to work in Africa. I was personally very curious about what's life in Africa, what impact can I have there? Can I even do business there? Because I'm not sure if I'm qualified or not. And um, it was a great, uh, you know, growing experience. No, that's super. And so then you went to um, Banco BV and um, you did that. So, you know, going down through all the things that you've done, you have a wide, wide background. For the startups are out there, what's the most important thing that you need to have? You know, if you look at in order to be able to succeed, whether you're a serial entrepreneur, whether you're in a corporation, what's important? What are the top three things? Let's say three that you think are important to be able to, you know, keep that um, that uh, childlike spirit. You mean important uh, on three, me? Or, yeah, yeah, or, 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 please. for everybody and for you, what you believe are important, and also for the audience out there. What's important for them? What should they focus on? And what, what you know, you've had a wonderful experience. You've done a lot of different things and you've had, yeah. seems like you've had a lot of fun. So how do you continue to do that? Yeah, no, I love the question. Um, I can tell the number one, uh, and I'm, I'm going to quote somebody here that was a colleague of mine at Wharton. And was, if you Google him, he's a brilliant guy in Wall Street and everywhere. One of the nicest and most brilliant people I've met. His name is Hardeep Walia. Uh, and um, I remember he was he he was probably the fastest career ever. So at Microsoft, we joined together. He became a general manager in five years. Uh, eventually, he became my boss. He, he hired me from a group to another. Um, long story short, I remember that when he was leaving Microsoft, I I, I felt really sad. I said maybe I'll leave as well, just because I'm so attached to him as a person, as a mentor. And he said, no, no, don't worry. And he said, just just give you a hint. Um, you can have many different jobs at Microsoft, many jobs outside. Number one thing you should look out for is not the number of promotions, not your bonus, not your title, but your perks. Are you learning? And every year you should ask yourself realistically, have I learned enough this year? And if the answer is no, forget about all the other things. They all could be great. Start looking for another job. You don't need to leave the company. It's a big company. You can move to a new role. Uh, but challenge yourself. If you stop learning, you're dead. You need to continue to learn. And I'll never forget it. I have chills when I say that because for me, it's the number one. It's the answer for your question. Why a doctoral degree? Why this? Why that? I want to learn. I want to have different experience. I want to put myself in uncomfortable, unknown situations because that's how we learn. We're humans. Um, yeah, so that's right. That's... You know, you've always got to, you know, go out and learn. And I remember Scott McNeely from Sun Microsystems told me, always go to areas that you fear the most because you're going to learn the most. And um, exactly. put yourself and then you continue to have that childlike curiosity. You know, Benny, I want to thank you for joining the show today. We're just um, we're at the top of the hour. So closing thoughts and how do people get a hold of you? Um, to get a hold of me, I have a personal website, which is just my name, www.bennyrubinstein.com. Uh, there's some videos, some articles, and feel free to contact me uh, there. Um, LinkedIn is another good way. You can follow me. You can connect with me. You can write to me there. Um, I'm happy to exchange you. People. That's um, uh, a great way to connect with smart people like you. Um, and uh, no, um, less thoughts. I would say, um, besides all we talked, I, I think just 
Um, I have very strict guidelines in my life for principles and values and things that I don't compromise. On the other hand, I, I always try to keep my, uh, my mind open. I know there are certain things that I will not want to pursue in life because they're not aligned with my, my principles, but I'm always open and looking for how I can contribute more, how I can learn more. And uh, that's how we met, by the way. And um, uh, I, I just wanted to maybe give that message I give to a lot of people that I mentor and coach. Um, we're in a tough moment for humanity. There's a lot of things happening there that worries a lot of people, and most of us are worried. But there's a lot of great people out there and a lot of great things we can do. So I follow Adam Grant's philosophy of the, you know, the, the givers and takers. Be a giver. Think about what you can give, what you can give to your organization, to your boss, to your spouse, to your community, uh, to your country, to whatever that is, and good things will happen. That's, uh, we need to look out for ourselves, but let's not forget that we should give as well. Yeah, no, thanks, Betty. You're right. You know, we got to give and we got to make this. We all have control of destiny and we all got to make this world a better place. You're right. To the audience out there, thank you for attending one more time. GSD presents Silicon Valley AI and Tech. And I'm your host, Gary Fowler. Stay tuned again for another exciting edition next Tuesday. As I said, stay happy, stay safe and stay healthy. We back at you. Thanks, Benny. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Gary. Thanks, everyone.